Shalom and welcome again to another edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I am Rabbi Richard Address, your host. Welcome, welcome to this uh, edition. As you know, these podcasts are designed to talk about issues related to our aging, the implications of longevity to our families and our community. And we welcome your comments and suggestions to me, Rabbi Address at JewishSacredAging.com. And it is uh, with a great deal of pleasure that we welcome uh, to today's program, uh, Gerald Rothkopf of Rothkopf Elder Law here in Southern New Jersey and Eastern Pennsylvania. Um, probably one of the leading, if not the leading elder care um, programs here in our area. Uh, Jerry, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Welcome to Seekers of Meaning. Thank you for allowing, allowing me and to participate and inviting me. It's great to be here. I think it's my second time here. Second time, and I right. always enjoy uh, our conversations. Well, thank you very much. There's so much to talk about, and we try to program this about as, as approaching uh, National Healthcare Decision Day, which is um, in the middle of April, April 16th, uh, particularly this year, because so many issues revolving around elder care, elder law, uh, impact people making decisions uh, with uh, with their loved ones about uh, care and end of life situations. But the first thing I want to ask you, because I'm always fascinated why people choose to do what they do. Uh, of all the possibilities in law, what what motivated you to go into elder law? Was there a person? Was there an experience? Was it just a calling? Was it something you got a call? you know, on 295 or the Schuylkill Expressway or what, what, what was it? Um, well, I think it was, um, something I was always meant to do. I just didn't realize it at the time. Um, coming out of law school, I went to a small personal injury firm in Philadelphia, um, uh, doing, uh, some collection work and as well as auto accidents. And, it's something that I really didn't enjoy doing after the first couple of years. So I was looking to something else. I just didn't know what it was. So what, uh, before I left my firm back in the late, back my late, late, like 1998, 99, I received a, a couple of cases that had to do with nursing home bills. And that's when I started investigating this area law called elder law. And ultimately became my passion. It's and in reality, I think I was meant to do it all along. I would love to say to answer you, um, Rabbi, that my grandmother and grandfather both suffered from Alzheimer's disease. I saw the devastation that the disease took not on the not just the individual but the whole family, as I'm sure you experience you have experienced as well. And I would like, and as a result. That's how I got into it. But that's not actually true. I, I, it's an area that found me. And then I, I found love as a result of that. And I love doing what I do because it gives me the opportunity to help people, many of which do not feel they have any, any opportunity um, to do any planning at the time they come to me because many come to me in crisis. So it gives me opportunity to do well by so-called doing good. And it's not only supporting my family, it also supports here as well. And I think that's most important. As well. No, I, I appreciate that because, it, it, again, it's fascinating to me why people choose to do what they do. And, and so many times now it boils down to exactly what you're talking about. It speaks to my soul 
um, in ways that I never expected when I was in training and I, it found me. I mean, and, and so, and, and your firm, I mean, and, and I'm not, it's not rabbinic hyperbole to say it's one of the leading firms in the area, if not the leading, because you do so much on both sides of the river. Um, and there are firms obviously in, in, in all over North America that these podcasts reach. What, why is it so important right now? What has changed in the last, let's say, decade or so to make consultations with elder care attorneys so important to people? Because we, we get this question a lot in the workshops that we do in Jewish Sacred Aging, especially on the end-of-life workshop and the caregiving workshop, more and more people are saying, who can I turn to? What, why is, what has changed in these last couple of decades? Well, a variety of things. Number one, uh, people are living longer. Um, that's not a phenomenon over the past decade, but it's a phenomenon over the last 50 years, certainly. Uh, elder law is a relatively new specialty with, within the within uh, the practice areas. It the uh, National Association that I'm a member and active with that was only founded in 1987, not that long ago. So, no. and there are specific legal issues that are geared to aging that wasn't an issue several decades ago, with access to care. Um, I mean, and and I would argue. That's not always a good thing in the sense that, you know, traditionally, um, unlike maybe our, our parents, there's no traditional pensions any longer. So someone who worked for, for a company like Sears or RCA Records and RCA in Camden and the like, they have a pension. And so they are in addition to their Medicare coverage. But that doesn't exist anymore. So ma many individuals, especially the middle class, um, are, are looking for ways to afford quality care. And the goal is to stay at home. And it has to do with, you know, it, it's a much, it's a, it's a straightforward question, but a difficult question to answer because it has, the answer has many facets. It has to do with people aging. It has to do with the mobility of the, 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 our mobile society where, um, Children are living away from their parents. So as, as a parent ages, there are no caregivers. So as well as the complications that exist with the different, how care is paid for, um, the difference between Medicare and Medicaid. And every time Congress um, tinkers with the law, things simply get more and more complicated. So for a variety of reasons, I would start with people living longer. They have issues that now that didn't exist 20, 30, 40 years ago. The, you, you mentioned about care. One of the things we're beginning to talk more and more about in, in our work is not is a development of a, what, we, what some people call a care plan. Um, not the end of life advanced directives, but you know, sitting down and say, okay, if I do become really, really sick, who's going to take care of me? You mentioned the mobility. You know, my kids live in, you know, Boston and Phoenix, and I'm here in, in, in southern New Jersey. Who's going to take care of me? How are they going to take care of me? How, how does the, how do, how do you deal with the development of a care plan? Do you, well, do you, do you help, yeah. do you help families do that? Yeah, one of the things I've learned relatively early in my legal career is that the law doesn't solve everyone, everyone's problem. 
In fact, sometimes the legality of the different issues involved actually creates more problems. So when I started practi practicing elder law back in 2000, um, I did what all other elder law attorneys did, and that's basically assist people in qualifying for Medicaid, um, draft wills, trusts, with incapacity issues related to guardianship. Very important. Very important service, no doubt. But people were coming to me with, with non-legal questions that I was not equipped to answer um, about what's the best home care agency? Um, what does, does Medicare cover home care? Does Medicare cover skilled nursing care? Um, what insurance coverage is available to, to allow my loved one to receive a handicap accessible ramp so they can come and go um, in a wheelchair from their home? Those were, those were important questions but they're not le purely legal in nature. So I realized a few years into my elder law practice in the early 2000s, I needed to do better. And that's where the care planning or care coordination comes in because that's what really makes a difference. So if I had to ask a, a, a caregiver spouse or a caregiver client, caregiver, caregiver child, what, what's, what's, the, what's an important conversation to you? It's not about protecting money. It's about getting their loved one, their spouse of 50 plus years, be, keep them at home and out of a nursing home and, make, and keep that promise to a, to a parent that we will not put you in a nursing home. We're going to keep you at home. You're going to move into my house. But people are not equipped to handle that because, there are, because there's just moving parts in our country. And it really has to do with the healthcare delivery system more than the legal system in this country. And so my goal is to help families navigate the long-term care healthcare delivery system. And as an attorney, I'm ill-equipped to do so. What's the best person out there to help navigate the healthcare issues and these so social issues? Geriatric social workers. That's why we have six geriatric social workers in place because families come to us with questions of care. And that's why I refer to what I do as not an elder law attorney, an elder care law attorney, because it starts with care. And once we get the care in place, then we'll figure out how to pay for it. But I need to know what direction clients are going so then we can plan accordingly for what benefits are available. You know, and, and I know part of your work in, 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 the, in the website. And by the way, real fast, what's, somebody wants to get in touch with you. What's the website? The firm's Rothkopf Law Group. It's www.rothkopflaw.com. My name, law.com. So the geriatric care coordinators that, that you offer, they, they'll walk. I come and say, I, I, I don't understand Medicare. Uh, I was told that uh, in order for me to qualify for a bed in ABC, uh, skilled nursing, uh, my mom may have to go into Medicaid. Could you help me do that? That's part, sure. of, part um, of what. Yeah, many people, I, I, I heard uh, uh, twice last week, the exact same thing was said to me. After a caregiver child comes to me and I explain over an hour plus meeting what we, how we can assist them and their family. And the response twice last week was, I wish I came to you a year earlier. And what I mean by that right. is that I'll, I'll give you a very quick 
case done. We have a we have a single um, gentleman. Um, the children come in to and dad fell, broke a hip, is now in a local rehabilitation part of a skilled nursing community. And the nursing home is telling them, oh, well, we have no space for you. And we're going to have to discharge you home because your insurance has expired. Uh, or we're going to have to move you elsewhere because there's no long-term care beds. This is all long nursing home lingo that the average person doesn't know. Well, the first of all, they're, they're not getting information that's very helpful. They want to know, well, what's the, what's the status of my, my, my dad's insurance coverage? What about Medicare coverage? Um, is he going to be cut off from Medicare days? Is there a right to appeal? Well, What's the laws regarding nursing homes? Can my dad really be discharged because he wants to qualify for Medicaid and the nursing home is telling me we can't accept him? All of that is false, but there's no reason for the, the a lay person to know that. So they come to me and I, I'm an advocate for the individual, for the family. And my goal is to, is to un, have them understand what the laws are and then try to effectuate their, their wishes. If, if the goal it will file, file an, a Medicare appeal for them, if the goal is to qualify an individual for Medicaid, we'll ensure that the law applies and we can keep them in that community. Or of course, if they're not satisfied with quality care, we'll look at different communities. Um, so, and then our geriatric social workers educate the family how to get the best, best possible care for their loved one in a nursing home or maybe a lesser form. Can they go to a step-down assisted living community? Um, can they go home? And then we'll, 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 we'll assist in organizing a discharge plan combined with making sure that home, if goals to go home, home care is in place. Um, outpatient physical therapy will look at their medication to make sure that they're not spending more for out-of-pocket expenses for medication than should be spent. If they're a veteran, we'll look to access VA benefits or a widowed spouse. That's all a part of assisting and advocating for our clients. You know, you mentioned um, a little bit while ago that, that a lot of this stuff is not legal in it's in the strictest firm, the strictest uh, in the strictest way of uh, um, talking about it, but it has to do with the healthcare delivery system. So, what we call the economics of aging. Um, seems to be a growing concern for so many families, regardless of social status. This, the cost, the sheer cost, uh, given the fact that the United States doesn't have that type of a all-encompassing support system. In what ways does Rothkopf Law uh, help navigate the economics of aging? Well, long-term care is big business, and care can be very expensive. So. We look at well, the first question we always ask individuals who come to the office, what is the goal? What are you trying to achieve? So we'll, and we'll gear what, what any recommended financial plan to what the goal is. If the goal is to stay at home, well, we'll here are the benefits that are available, whether it's Medicaid coverage that will give you approximately 40 hours of home care a week. If, if we qualify you financially, are you a veteran and we can access VA benefit programs? Um, how about Medicare home, home care, which does exist, um, or any other forms of insurance if applicable? 
So, um, and for the, our clients tend to be middle-class individuals. Why middle-class? Well, if you have minimal funds, you can rel, rel, you can relatively, I can't say easily, but more likely qualify for Medicaid. And if you're, have more well to do, there's chances are you can, there's a, there's a better opportunity to self-insure. So it's the folks in the middle who do not have long-term care insurance, um, tip, typically, and maybe have anywhere between a uh, hundred to half million dollars in total savings. Those individuals, um, uh, are very, not that everyone else is not, but they're very concerned about the cost of care and how to pay for it. And most of our clients have not insured against the risk and, and are thrown into this healthcare delivery system, um, which doesn't really make sense that you, that you already referred to. And our folk, our goal is to help them navigate and be a, and, and act in a proactive manner. So they don't, they have time to consider their options and not act in a moment of crisis, which typically in retrospect, you're not going to make the best decision. Right. Yeah, that we always talk when I consult with families and individuals and I say it's to your best benefit to be proactive, because if you wait to a crisis when the phone call comes and all of a sudden that's the bad that's a, a bad time to make a decision. Um, but it's tough. It's tough. What are the people who are not in the middle class, supposedly? What do they do? What options what options does that family who is living below that, no, whatever that I mean, current line is? My goal is to not just work in the system. When I say the system, the long-term care system, be because it's broken. Right. My goal is to help improve the system, but it's difficult. Um, and for a variety of reasons, um, let's take some with Alzheimer's disease, which or related dementia. The majority of our clients have some form of Alzheimer's or related dementia. And it's always, and let's, a spouse comes to me and minimal funds, you know, with or without owning a home. And they come to me and say, listen, my husband really needs memory care, like an assisted living memory care community in our, our area. Well, memory care, as you may know, is expensive. It, in, in the South Jersey, Philadelphia markets, $9,000 a month is not on, is, is, is the ballpark. And because of COVID, it's probably gotten more expensive. So, and so say a hundred, over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, if someone has 50,000 in total saving, obviously that's not in the cards, even though that the individual needs that. So I have to be honest with individuals. So, um, and, most communities in South Jersey who accept uh, in a, for assisted living that accept Medicaid, there's a period of private payment. So, so I have to be honest with them and say, listen, that's not workable. I can put your husband in a nursing home because that's what Medicaid covers, but Medicaid will not cover home care off the, I mean, um, assisted living memory care off the street. You have to pay privately for two years. And unfortunately, I have to break that news to, to individuals for their loved ones all the time. So it breaks my heart that I have to tell them that when they think their, their insurance or Medicaid is going to cover that type of care. 
Should it? I would say it should, but but that's the reality of the system we have. So it we have to then figure out, well, what makes sense? Can we piece together different benefits, whether it's VA, what's your monthly income? All right, would it make sense to move in with a child? But it's it's not affordable for everyone. And I can get on my soapbox for hours and talk about how it's different in Western Europe and how the quality of care is much improved. But I'll save that for another time. No, no, listen, it's uh, I, I tell congregations all the time um, that what you're talking about right now in the economics of aging and stuff like this is a social justice issue. In fact, for our generation, I think it's one of, if not the social justice issue of the time, because it impacts, as you know, not only the, the nuclear family, but the extended family as well, adult children, grandchildren, it all trickles down. And and um, and there's a moral, ethical Jewish, there are Jewish approaches to this, um, to not, again, another conversation for another time, but well, the soapbox is needed. And I, I know right. there are organizations I mean, working on this. The fact of the matter is, um, and again, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to get into, uh, I'll leave the religious aspect to you, Rabbi, but I also don't, I'm not, I don't want to get into a political discussion as well, but this is, but this is religious and political, um, which of course, right. some many cases, they, they don't intersect. Um, and from a, you know, a political hot potato. Long-term care is a political hot potato. In in the the um, the Biden administration's Build Back Better Act, which you may have some familiar familiarity with, um, which was ultimately, right. of course, never given taken to the floor of Congress because it would not have passed, and the Biden administration has moved on. Um, did include a substantial, um, you know, billions of dollars for home and community-based services which is what this country needs because Medicaid is still highly, um, uh, the, the vast majority of Medicaid funds still go to nursing home for, for technical reasons. But what this country needs is to keep people out of a nursing home. But it, it, this country doesn't, we can, we can, and Pennsylvania, New Jersey included, does not equip individuals from a financial perspective to be able to care for their loved ones at home. Nursing home covers 24-7, but you're only going to get 40 hours a week under the Medicaid program for home care. Okay, well, what about the other almost six days a week? So that's what we need. You know, society, as I'm sure you've heard the expression, is judged by how we treat our youngest and oldest members of society. My job as an elder care law attorney is to help improve the lives of older adults and a combination of what we do hopefully achieves that or at least my my small role in it but we have a much um much more room for improvement and i mean from and again elder law attorneys can do better home care agencies can do better assisted living agencies assisted living nursing home owners and operators can do much better as yeah, there's lots to do and there's lots to talk about. And you're right. I mean, we are behind the rest, much of the world and how we take care of these two opposite ends of life. I mean, Jewishly, part of the one of the sessions we do is on this and there's actually scholarship 
um, based upon the concept of tzedek and justice across the denominational lines about single-payer systems and a belief in a single-payer system and the government's obligation to maintain a basic floor of healthcare access and, and, and healthcare uh, for every citizen based upon the Jewish value of, if, of, if, of justice. If you um, look, if you so look it, at, let's it, take Medicare, for ahead. example. You know, we, there is universal health insurance for people 65 and over, and obviously that's called Medicare. Um, we, we as a society have been, have been for, for the past several decades, ever since the Clinton administration, fighting over universal health care. And we still haven't come up with, with a, with right. a system um, that, that will satisfy all parties, obviously. So, um, and, you know, if we look at Medicare, Medicare has only been around since 1965. Medicare was supposed to solve the whole issues with seniors and filing for bankruptcy right. due to health care costs. And it was, but the problem is with Medicare, there's this little provision in, in the Social Security Act that from 1965 that put Medicare in place in this country that talks about custodial care, meaning that Medicare doesn't cover custodial care. What is Alzheimer's disease? Do you need a, do you, do you need a skilled nurse? No. You need someone to help you with activities of daily living. And that's custodial in nature. Well, Medicare doesn't cover custodial care. So Medicare doesn't cover nursing home care beyond 100 days. Medicare cover, doesn't cover assisted living because it's purely a custodial in nature. I would argue assisted living memory care these days is not custodial in nature. Yeah. No, it's essential, essential care. So this is this is part of much larger conversations, um, and I know one of the one of because I've been part of some of these. One of the characteristics of your firm is uh, community outreach and education. You you do a lot of uh, conferences, either in person or uh, in Zoom land, uh, really trying to bring this message to the public. I mean, talk to me about, and I know you have this passion for Alzheimer's and dementia, because a couple of ones I've been at, that's been the major focus. But you, you these community education programs, they're focused on professionals and lay people, correct? Correct. Yeah, we do a great deal of education, uh, whether the attorneys, our veterans benefit specialists, our geriatric social workers, um, in the in, for both long-term care professionals, uh, assisted living owners and operators, nursing home owners and operators, home care agencies, uh, attorneys, financial advisors, CPAs, and of course lay persons as well, or or, you know, or care partners, so to speak. And our, because our focus is to, again, to educate them as to the options that are available and really have them understand, make sure that they don't have a false sense of security. What I mean by that is many people think, oh, yes, I have a will. I have financial health care powers of attorney. I even have advanced directives. And that's going to protect me. And our, our goal is to say, it's important. I'm glad you have those documents. I, I'm, uh, it's important that you had the foresight to get, to get those documents in place. But that's not going to help pay for assisted living or nursing home or, or care for your loved one at home. So you have a, now it just make, gives you a decision-making ability to, to assist your parent, to assist your spouse. But that's the prerequisite. Now we have to build on that. And, and so we, we educate them saying, 
Well, it's important to plan when you're not in a crisis. You know, if your loved one suffered a stroke, diagnosed you know beyond Alzheimer's and and dementia, has diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, it's time to kind of come on in and get your affairs in order and plan for the future, and plan and and as opposed to oh my 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 spouse is going to be discharged from the nursing from a nursing home or hospital, what do I do? The one of the, the challenges we we find in in as we're living longer and longevity revolution takes hold is I'm sure people have come to you um, in second or third marriages or no marriage, you know, they're cohabitating and they want to, they want to start doing these things, but they have, they're bringing either already made up estates, but an adult children, stepchildren. Um, do you help na navigate that potential minefield of who does what and how they do it and who's responsible how much does that um, play into second what, or third uh, marriages with, with children from different marriages are always a special case, and you have to tread lightly with those kids, uh, meaning that there's generally uh, there there disagreements. From my experience, with care needs, you may have a child, in, a stepchild in California, for example, who um, it, who is really doing, or the, the actual child. For the dad in California, when the stepchild in Cherry Hill is local and really uh, assisting their stepdad, when the own, their own son is doing nothing because he's in he's on the West Coast, and so there there's issues with there there's animosity that can develop based upon the, the who, who's who who the caregivers are, or who's not holding their weight, so to speak, and there also could be animosity over money. Because that the the child may cons may see that his his or his step parents um, uh, care needs are being spent on his or her inheritance, whether that's fair or not. So in many cases, there's care issues and financial uh, dilemmas that occur. Uh, and so, yes, one of my jobs, uh, although it's not, I don't do not practice family law is to really be a, an intermediary and get these two feuding parties together. Cause, and I focus them on saying, listen, I don't represent you, you child. I don't represent you stepchild. I represent your parent or step parent. And my goal is to do the right thing by your parent or step parent. And cause that's my client. That's my ethical duty. So let's focus on. How do we get the best care for for this parent or step parent? I you like anything in life, like bringing you bring is, uh, issues into a marriage, you bring issues into into my office that I'm not going to solve what happened 20 years ago, but I can only focus on the here and now. So let's focus on the here and now. And I understand you might have competing interests with preserving your her inheritance, so it's not used for your parent. For that parent, I get all of that, but let what are the goals we're trying to achieve, and let's achieve them to get the best care, and then we'll deal with the finances. Gerald Rothkoff, uh, Rothkoff Law Group, Elder Care Law, based here in Southern New Jersey and Philadelphia area. Jerry, thank you very, very much um, for so much information and challenges. Some challenges.
that every that so many of us are dealing with and so many of us who aren't dealing with it will deal with in the future. Um, before we end, what's the best piece of advice that you would give to people as they're facing, you know, their long longevity and may not have ever made plans? Um, what's the best piece of advice you can rely give on profession for advice? It's great that your neighbor, your coworker who has been through it and giving you advice, but make sure you get the proper advice, whether it's it, what, it, from an attorney, your CPA, financial advisor, rabbi, get the advice that, that you need, some expert advice. Don't rely on a friend of a friend for information because in, in many cases, especially in this area of the law, which is very convoluted, they may not be correct. And once again, in closing, contacting you, the website is? It's RothkoffLaw.com. We're based uh, in both uh, South Jersey as well as uh, Eastern, Southeastern Pennsylvania. We have offices in both states. www.RothkoffLaw.com. And if you have any questions, if we can be, a, our goal is to be a resource. If, there, if there's any way we can assist, whether it's a five-minute phone call or an in-person me meeting, feel free to contact us. And Rabbi, thank you. I always enjoy our conversations. They're always enlightening, and they go by in a split, in, in just like a split second. Well, thank you for your time, and just um, stay safe and stay healthy to you and your family. That's really, right now, extremely important, if not the most important You're welcome. Thing. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Just be well, Jerry. Thank you very much. And to all of you who uh, joined us today, thank you very much for watching and listening to today's edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. Uh, again, we welcome your comments and suggestions to me, Rabbi Address at jewishsacredaging.com. And if you'd like to make a tax-free donation to help support our work, just go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com, and scroll down to the donate icon and just follow the prompts. Uh, Secrets of Meaning is produced at the Broadcast Center of Lubetkin Media Companies here in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And a big shout out to our producer, Steve Lubetkin. Again, thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. And until we meet again, take care, stay healthy, stay safe, and shalom.